Good morning. Welcome to this worship service of Ada First United Methodist Church. It is so good to see all your smiling faces today. So welcome, um, it's great to have you. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we wanna extend a special warm welcome to you. If you're joining us online, also we are thrilled to have you worshiping with us through this uh, blessing of technology today. My name is Reverend Brandy Rigsby, and it is a joy to be gathered to, together again as we embark on a new school year. We have some new faces among us, some college students, our elementary and high school age kids who are just thrilled about what the new school year brings, right? Yeah, a few of them. All right, as we get started today, I wanna to take a moment just to offer a few announcements and reminders. As I do each week, please remember to check our church webpage and Facebook page for ongoing announcements and updates. We do have a lot of things kicking off with the start of the school year, so those will be your best sources of information. If you need to find anything, please make sure you check those. And of course, you can always call the church office or myself for more information. If you are joining us online, please know that we do have Mr. Mark Light in the back and he's checking in with everyone. Say good morning, let us know you're here. And of course, if you have any questions, Mark will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, I'm also very excited to announce that after, I think we only did what, two or three weeks of a sneaker drive. And this past week, I had the privilege of taking 38 pairs of tennis shoes to the school office. The, uh, the school nurse was thrilled, but also not sure where she was going to put them all. So we have, uh, what a wonderful gift to have been able to offer to our students right here at Ada Elementary and even some high school age kids. So we know those shoes will be uh, well loved and well received. And I just wanna thank each and every one of you so much for your generous donations to help support our schools and our students right here in our town. Also, a reminder, next Sunday, August 27th, is Back to School Sunday, Promotion Sunday, and Potluck Sunday. Yay! So next Sunday, please plan to join us at 10 a.m. for worship as we offer our blessing of the backpacks to all of our students and teachers and staff. And also, as we promote our kindergartners and fourth graders, they will receive new Bibles. Now, our fourth graders are still welcome our, yes, current fourth graders, welcome to go down to Children's Church until September 10th. On September 10th, we're gonna welcome them into sanctuary worship with us, but they will receive their Bibles next Sunday. And then of course, right after the worship service, I'm sure the smell will be wafting up this way. We will join one another downstairs for a time of fellowship and a meal. So please plan to stick around after worship next Sunday. Finally, uh, Sunday school classes, our adult Sunday school class and our tween class for ages third grade through sixth grade, and our choir will all be resuming on Sunday, September 10th. So mark your calendars, that's the week after Labor Day weekend. The first choir rehearsal will be September 7th, and we're gonna be thrilled to have our choir back in worship with us, leading us in song and praise beginning September 10th. I know many of you noticed, I saw you looking at your gorgeous photos in the directory this morning. Our directories have finally arrived. They are in the back if you wanna pick one up. We just ask if you could um, do one per household until we make sure we have enough for everyone and pick one of those up on your way out this morning. 
Finally, there are also copies in the back of a financial update letter that I want to invite you, if you did not receive the email, to pick one of those up on your way out today, too. But I want to take a moment just to offer a summary of that. Many of you received this letter in an email on Friday, and it comes as a financial update from Brian Marshall, our finance chair, Julie Hertig, our treasurer, and of course myself. So I want to take a moment now on behalf of the Finance and Ad Council committees to offer a summary. We entered the 2023 church year with a budget that projected total revenue to be around $233,000 and total expenses estimated at $265,000, which if you do the math quickly, that equates to a shortfall of about $32,000. However, in the past five years of budget history, a $265,000 budget with no shortfall in revenue has been very typical for our church. So for the most part, we've had no major changes, just those that we expected to go up, routine increases in utilities and salaries. So while we always try to start the year with a balanced budget, we adopted this budget with the approximate $32,000 faith factor, hoping that history would prove right. The general fund started the year at a value near $19,000. As of July 31st, the general fund unfortunately finished in the red with a balance of approximately negative $1,000. Fortunately, the church has some reserves saved from back in the days when the fire had occurred and you were worshiping at Ohio Northern, and these reserves will help us to cover some of the deficit that we are currently experiencing. So the good news is that all of our apportionments and missional obligations have been met for the year. However, we are currently behind budget by $19,500 for the first half of the year. And we predict that by the end of the year, that'll be about $33,000 behind budget. The Finance Committee has advised bringing this to your attention to let everyone know of this budget shortfall and to humbly ask for your support as we move into the last quarter of the year. We're grateful for your generosity, the amazing work that we have accomplished as a church. But now we also need to ask for help. Included in this letter is a link to a Google form asking if you can commit to helping the church through this time with an additional gift. In the past few years, we have experienced God's extravagant generosity and redemptive work as we've seen baptisms and new members, small groups, a growing music and children's ministry programs, a deepening call to discipleship. We know there are always bumps in the road and we trust that God still has so much in store for our church and will guide us each step of the way. So I'd like to invite you as you leave this morning, if you did not receive that letter and email, please feel free to pick one up in the back of the sanctuary. And of course, if you have any questions, you're welcome to see me or Brian or Julie after the service and we'd be happy to answer those for you. So again, I wanna thank you. And if, please, if you need a moment to talk to us about it, please stop any one of us after church or give us a call this coming week. And now, friends, as we move into this time of worship, I wanna invite us all to come with hearts that are open, with ears listening for the sound of God's voice. May we know in this moment that God's spirit is at work in this place, calling us, 
and to the redemptive work that began in Jesus Christ. I invite you, will you join me in an attitude of worship? Good morning. Would you please rise as you are able for a call to worship? Give thanks to the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the whole world what he has done, his mighty acts on our behalf. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things for us. Great is the Holy One who lives among us. Please remain standing as we sing our opening hymn, number 213 in your hymnals, as well as on the screens.
please be seated. Our Old Testament reading comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, reading here from Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12, which is on page 568 in your pew Bibles. Shout loudly, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways, like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't act as you are doing today if you want to make your voices heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed? And of lying down in mourning clothing and ashes? Is this what I call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke. Setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke. Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house? Covering the naked when you see them and not, and not hiding from your own family. Then your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the, the finger pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
announcement for next Sunday as we do our blessing of the backpacks. I'd like to invite all of our kids, if you could bring your backpacks to church with you, we'll have them up here and you'll receive your backpack blessing tag during the service. Now at this time, I'd like to invite all of our children forward as Miss Wendy offers our children's message this morning. noticing all these marvelous haircuts you guys have for school, right? Nice, nice. Question for you. Raise your hand if you've ever felt angry. Everybody's looking at the floor like, yes, I felt angry. <laughs> when people get angry, let me ask you, when you get angry, show me what your face looks like. Right? What do we do when we're, what are some other things you guys do when you're angry? You make noises. What else do you do when you're angry? Do you ever go like this? Attack a human. <laughs> Attack a human? Oh my gracious. What else do we do? Go crazy. Some people do go crazy. S scream and smack everything. Do you ever see people throw things when they get mad? Right? Do, do people ever throw temper tantrums? Have you guys ever thrown a temper tantrum? Yes. Probably when you were littler, you might have laid on the ground and flung your arms around, right? That's right. There's never been a person who hasn't, right? So I'm going to tell you guys a story about my son when he was probably about your age. And I can tell it because he's at school, so... <laughs> So when he was about Cooper's age, he went to preschool. And Connor used to take this medicine, and it sometimes made him really, really, really grumpy when he took this medicine. He couldn't help it. It just made him grumpy. And one time when he was at preschool, he got upset because he didn't get the snack he wanted. Do you know what he did? He flipped the table, threw a chair, and broke another chair. Mom was not happy when I went to pick him up at preschool, right? I was not happy, so then I was angry, right? Well, let me tell you a story. Do you think that Connor's the only person ever to like flip tables and throw chairs? Who did it? Jesus. That's what we're here to talk about today. Jesus did that before, didn't he? Do you know why? He was angry. Do you know why he was angry? No? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. Before Jesus was sacrificed on the cross to save us from our sins, people used to have to buy foods and animals, and they had to bring them to the temple, and they had to be sacrificed so that God would forgive them for their sins. Kind of crazy, but that's how it was way back then, right? It is weird, right? But Jesus was sacrificed for us, right? He died on the cross for us to save us from our sins. So here's the thing. The people realized, hmm, all these people have to get animals, so we, we can make a lot of money off these people. And so what happened is, like, imagine next week at church if we have communion, and I stood at the back door and said, do you have your money for communion? And if you didn't, I said, well, you can't come in. You have to go until you get me some money. Wouldn't that be horrible? 
What do you think? What do you think Jesus would do if he saw us doing that, like charging people money to get communion? He would be so mad. Do you think that people would think that was a sin if he was mad? That's a good question, isn't it? Because sometimes people think if you get angry, it's a sin. Being angry isn't a sin because I forget who told me. I think you said everybody gets angry. One of you two said it right all the time. The difference is when we're angry, do we do sinful things? Do we hit people? Do we call people names? Do we, do, do we break things? That's probably not something we should be doing. But if you see somebody getting bullied at school, right, and it makes you angry and you go up and say, quit bullying them. That's not a sin, is it? That's being protective. That's That's right. So can you guys say a prayer with me today? Dear Lord, thank you for my passionate heart. Thank you for allowing me to fight for what is right and good. And thank you for forgiving me when I sin in anger. Amen. Thank you, guys. Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of John. We'll read here from chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who were selling cattle, sheep and doves, as well as those involved in exchanging currency sitting there. He made a whip from ropes and chased them all out of the temple, including the cattle and the sheep. He scattered the coins and overturned the tables of those who exchanged currency. He said to the dove sellers, get these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it is written, passion for your house consumes me. Then the Jewish leaders asked him, by what authority are you doing these things. What miraculous signs will you show us? Jesus answered, destroy this temple. In three days, I'll raise it up. The Jewish leaders replied, it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? The temple Jesus was talking about was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said. And they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today we will wrap up our hard sayings of Jesus sermon series. I have really enjoyed preaching this series because it's shown me a side of Jesus' character and teachings that I think we often overlook. And I got to tell you, today's passage, the story about Jesus' actions in the temple, this might just be my favorite one. 
I came across a meme this past week that I think illustrates this passage quite well. Everybody remember those WWJD bracelets? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? Well, here's a new perspective for you. It says, if anyone asks you what would Jesus do, remind them that flipping tables and chasing people with a whip is within the realm of possibility. So the next time you are raging mad and you just start flipping tables, just remind everyone around you, Jesus did it too. But seriously, can you imagine the scene that day in the temple? Cages falling over and doves flying everywhere, sheep running around knocking people over, coins flying through the air and scattering on the ground. People scrambling to get out of the way while Jesus is walking around, yelling, flipping tables, and swinging a whip. Not exactly the Jesus we usually picture in the Gospels. Typically, we describe Jesus with words like compassion, kindness, mercy. We expect our Jesus to be quiet and humble the one who suffers on our behalf without saying a mumbling word. Oh, but on that day, that day he wasn't having it anymore. Now, it doesn't happen very often, but surprisingly, this particular incident appears in all four Gospels. The synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all place this scene in the temple near the end. But the author of John's gospel places it right at the beginning. Do you remember how John's gospel starts? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then there's a quick pit stop at a wedding in Cana. And there Jesus is eating and drinking, turning water into wine. And just a few days later, he shows up in Jerusalem for Passover, and bam! He's flipping tables and swinging a whip. I'm sure we've likely heard this story before. It catches our attention because it seems so out of character. But we can also understand his anger, can't we? We like to call it righteous anger. And righteous anger is okay because it's righteous. But I can't help but wonder if there was more to it than just anger. I mean, of course, Jesus was angry. The temple was not only being used as a profitable business, it was a business at the expense of God's people. And it was a burden specifically on the backs of the poor. Think about it for a moment. Passover was a time of remembering how God had spared the Israelites as death passed over each household during their enslavement in Egypt. 
And ever since, God's people offered their thanksgiving, their worship to God, by bringing to the temple a sacrifice. But it seems that at some point, someone saw this as a profitable business plan. Hey, let's tell them that they have to convert their Roman coins to temple coins at a markup, of course. Then they have to use their temple coins to purchase an animal at a markup, of course. And only then can they make a sacrifice to their God. A whole system of commercialism and segregation and oppression had been developed right there in the temple. And Passover was their most profitable season. In a very real way, the money changers and the merchants, they had become the gatekeepers to God. And friends, if there is one thing we know for sure about Jesus, he always, always has compassion for the marginalized, the poor, and the oppressed. So in this moment, seeing a whole system that had been built to keep the least of these outside of God's reach, segregated from God's presence, of course he was mad. But I also think it broke his heart. It broke his heart to see the bigger issue that was actually at play. You see, the animals, the money changers, they were just a symptom of the problem. The bigger problem, in the words of Reverend Mike Marsh, was business as usual. The rich were getting richer on the backs of the poor and the desperate. The greedy were making a profit of worship. This whole scene paints a picture of a systemic problem. And the real issue is that everyone just accepted it. Oh, that's just business as usual. But Jesus shows up that day, not just a man angry about a one-time problem, but a person angry about a system of oppression and false worship. So he came not only to flip tables, but to overturn a system, to throw out business as usual. Now, it'd be easy to look at this passage and to think, good thing that doesn't apply to us anymore. But I have to wonder if we, too, haven't also become too comfortable with business as usual. As Reverend Marsh explains, business as usual can happen anywhere. In our friendships, our marriages, our parenting, our work, even our church. It's all the habits and routines that we fall into that cause us to sleepwalk our way through life. We look, but we don't see. We listen, but we don't hear. We speak, but we don't really say anything. It happens when we push the autopilot button, when we just sit back and go through the motions of life. And sometimes, without even knowing it, we become part of the problem. 
We show up to the temple, we buy our sacrifice, and we do what we're supposed to do because, well, it's what we're supposed to do. Our worship of God is no longer worship, but routine. Our service to God is no longer service, but obligation. And maybe what we need today, maybe what we need is for Jesus to show up with some righteousness, some righteous anger, flipping tables and swinging a whip right here. If I would have thought ahead, it'd be great to have somebody run in and do that right now. But you see, righteous anger, it's anger that is willing to speak truth to power when power is being misused and power is being abused. Righteous anger startles us, it awakens us, it provokes us to act, to change. Friends, where there are systems of oppression and harm and violence in our world, Christ calls us to re-surrender our lives, to become holy disruptors, to become barrier breakers, and yes, even at times, table flippers. Through this whole sermon series, the scriptures we've studied about the life of Christ one theme has risen to the top over and over again. Jesus was never business as usual. He was never following the rules or falling in line with the powers. The late author and youth ministry guru, Mike Iaconelli, once put it this way, what characterized Jesus was his unpredictability. Jesus was always surprising the disciples. He was always upsetting the religious leaders. He was eating at the wrong houses, hanging around the wrong crowd, healing people on the wrong day. Jesus was a dangerous man, dangerous to structures of power, dangerous to the church, dangerous to the crowds of people who followed him. And to be quite honest, if Jesus gets his hands on us, he might just be dangerous to us too. Because when he gets a hold of our lives, we won't be able to keep on living business as usual. When Jesus gets a hold of our lives, our hearts will yearn to re-surrender to him, to worship him anew, to serve him anew. And we might just find ourselves flipping tables and yearning to see the world around us differently, to see it as Jesus did, to see the whole world as God's kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray today that you will bless us with a restless discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, superficial relationships,
so that we might seek truth boldly and love deep within our heart. God, we pray that you will bless us with a holy anger at injustice, oppression, exploitation of people so that we might work for justice and freedom and peace. God, we pray that you will bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, loss, so that we might reach out our hands to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. And God, we pray that you will bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world. So that we can, through God's grace, do what others claim cannot be done. All these things, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. praise song. So, if you are so moved, please sing along. The lyrics will be up on the screen. From me to you, for all of you who have been praying for me for the last, seems like, couple of years, especially the, this past year, I wanted to give something back, and I thought, well, I better do this while I'm still standing. So, <laughs> here we are. And by the way, I want to thank both of my dear, dear friends um, for go doing this with me. You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> I think we're okay. Chosen generation 
We're coming, we're not walking, we're running. God, we need resurrender. So we resurrender. You're calling, we're coming, we're not walking. Matthew, thank you so much. Friends, as we continue to worship, we do re-surrender ourselves. We offer to God all that we have and all that we are. We re-surrender our lives in worship and in service to God's kingdom. So this morning, as we receive our gifts and our offerings, may we recall the gifts that God has poured out on us, and may we offer our lives to God's kingdom. I invite you to stand and join with me as we sing the words of our doxology, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Please rise as you are able.
You may be seated. As we enter into this time of prayer, we come opening our hearts, ready to receive God's spirit, ready to hear God's voice speak, and to know that God always hears our prayers. Will you join me in an attitude of prayer? All-knowing God, we have gathered here today with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts and on our lips for who you are and for all that you have done for us. You, O oh God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our thoughts, our actions, and yet you love us. No matter where we go or what we do, your love encircles us ahead and behind, always leading and guiding and blessing. We praise you for your love. We praise you for your faithful presence in our lives. And yet, Lord, with hearts of sorrow, we also come before you to confess what you already know, that we have failed to keep your laws. Again and again, we have followed our own selfish will rather than your holy, life-giving will. We have twisted your decrees and institutions to suit our interests. Forgive us, O oh God. Forgive us and cleanse us from our hidden faults. May the words of our mouths, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. And now, O oh God, as your children, forgiven and redeemed, we come before you to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ. We lift up Patty Cribley as she prepares for back surgery this coming week. Father, may your spirit of peace and assurance wash over her. We pray that the surgery will not only bring relief of pain, but also healing and wholeness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We also lift up to you, Lord, Rob McCurdy, Tom Evans, Nancy Fleming, Linda Epley, Nancy Allison, Gary Clausen. Father, we pray that your spirit will be at work bringing strength and peace and faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And we pray today especially for the ONU students, for all our college students who are beginning a new year. For some, this is the start of a brand new chapter. So where there is fear and anxiety, we pray, O oh God, that you will give confidence and peace. Where there is uncertainty, may you give direction. And may your spirit be present as they set out on this journey. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And now, O oh God, in a moment of silence, we lift up to you the unspoken prayers that lie on our hearts today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father God, with so many things laying claim to our hearts, we pray today that your spirit will wash over us, cleansing us and calling us once more to re-surrender our lives to you. Help us to live righteously in your eyes. Help us to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with you today and every day. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as children of God, I invite us to stand to sing together our closing hymn, Number 354, I Surrender All. Please, we're able.
we go forth, may we know that we have been called by God to embrace the mission of Jesus Christ as our own. And though our sight is not equal to this vision and our strength not equal to this task, our God is merciful. He gives light to those who walk in darkness and gives strength to those who carry heavy loads. So may you go forth from this time and place. May you see God's light before you, and may you feel God's strength within you. Amen.